The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. The Investment Fix Podcast. Tune in today. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. And welcome to Actually Interesting, a podcast series about artificial intelligence and related matters brought to you by Microsoft. I'm Russell Brown. In this series, we've largely talked about the use of algorithms and AI systems in the commercial world. But there's another domain, the public sector, where data is employed to make decisions that affect all of us. That's important because the government and its agencies have long collected a lot of data about you, me, all of us. That data can be used to try and predict what we'll do, and hence where resources need to go. But these are big judgments, and they will themselves affect our lives, and they're prone to the same hazard as all AI, that design assumptions have a critical effect on how these systems work. Earlier this year, a report from the University of Otago's Artificial Intelligence and Law in New Zealand project called for regulation of government use of AI algorithms. More recently, we've seen the first response to that call. The draft algorithm charter sets out principles for government AI that relate to the issues raised in the Otago report. Does it go far enough? There's been plenty of discussion about that. Check the hashtag data charter on Twitter for a look at some of it. Among those in the thick of that discussion has been our guest in this episode, Mandy Henk. She's the chief executive of Toha Toha, the organisation formerly known as Creative Commons New Zealand. And she's with me now. Welcome, Mandy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start with the basics. What is the draft algorithm charter and why does it matter? The draft algorithm charter is a first attempt on the part of the government to begin looking seriously at the way it uses algorithms and to making a commitment to using those algorithms in a transparent and fair way. Is it timely? Is, it, is, it, is this time we need to be having this discussion? I think it's probably past timely. Uh, given the amount of algorithms currently in use throughout government, uh, we're probably overdue for a commitment on the part of government to use them in ways that ensure equity and fairness. Well, how are algorithms being used in government now? Algorithms are being used across government in a range of different ways. They have algorithms now that determine school transport, so how the buses run. They have algorithms that are identifying and targeting youth who aren't in employment, education, or training for uh, interventions. And they're using them for visa triage uh, as well as um, family violence risk assessment. So they're being used across government in a lot of different ways. And those are all use cases where real good could be done, but also things could go wrong. I think a lot could go wrong. And this is a really good first attempt to look at what could go wrong and how we can avoid it from going terribly, terribly wrong. Hmm. Um, the charter isn't very long. It's 266 words, including the preamble. Um, is that a problem or should it be concise? 
I think it needs to be concise. I think that this is a case where we need both short documents that sort of talk about first principles and commitments, and then, of course, we need longer documents, and we're probably going to need something from Parliament, ultimately. It only binds the government and the public sector, so it's only part of the picture. I don't know that it actually binds anyone. I think that it's a voluntary charter that ministries are free to sign up to or not sign up to, in fact. Uh, What's your take on, on... the attitude of, of government agencies to, to these issues. Are they on board? Do, you know, is there goodwill? I think that there's definitely goodwill on the part of government. I think that government wants to get this right. Um, I don't think that they know how to get this right yet because I don't think anyone knows how to get this right yet. I, I was interested that the, that the first principle in the Charter commits the government to, quote, clearly explain how significant decisions are informed by algorithms and be clear where this isn't done for reasons of the greater public good, and and it cites national security as an example there. And the last principle says uh, the government should clearly explain who is responsible for automated decisions and what methods exist for challenge or appeal via a human. So that's explaining mentioned twice there. That, That seems to be pretty key. I think explaining is key, but I think that transparency isn't enough to actually provide equity. Transparency is a necessary but not sufficient um, sort of preamble for what you need. Uh, the issue there, of course, is that even if it's explained, most people, most people out there in the world don't really understand how algorithms work. They, they might know the word, but they don't really understand what's going on. I don't on. know that I understand how algorithms work, and I don't know that anyone um, sort of outside of a fairly narrow group of people has a good understanding of how it works, which is one of the reasons why transparency isn't particularly helpful. If you need to get a degree in computer science in order to understand it, that's an awful lot to ask of the public. Does that put a, a place of particular duty on, on the, the, the subset of people who do understand this to Uh, engage and be active? I think that it does, um, but I think that their choices to engage and be active probably also isn't enough. I think that we need to look seriously about how deeply we want the government engaging with things that don't actually make sense to most of the public. Other principles play into social equity and human rights and making sure the perspective of non-majority groups are taken into account. Is there a sense that that's particularly important in data and AI? I think that the question that you have to ask with data and AI is really, in what way does this technology shift power? So taking into account the perspectives of communities doesn't actually show a commitment to ensuring that power isn't changed in such a way that those communities are further disadvantaged, which is what's actually important. Yeah, I get the sense that it's an easy thing to say. Everyone says, oh, it's very important to have diversity in AI and AI design, but we also have to walk the talk here. I think so. And I think if we go back to another document that Stats put out, um, I think it was from the algorithm stock take, they did list in that six principles for safe and effective use of data analytics that I think probably speaks more to that question. Um, So they wanted them to deliver a clear public benefit, maintain transparency to ensure accountability, understand the limitations, uh, retain human oversight, uh, ensure that the data used is fit for purpose, uh, as well as focus on people. In a sense, that's that's actually that's more detailed than the Charter itself, isn't it? It is it, more it detailed more. than the Charter itself. And in some ways, I think it's a more useful document for people interested in how government is using algorithms and how government is sort of bringing ethics to the table when thinking about algorithms. Do you think this is something that, that we should all know more about? 
know more about how the data collected on us is being used? On the one hand, yes, I think we should know more about it. On the other hand, I think people need to be able to trust that their government is going to sort of get on with doing the business of government without um, everyone having to sort of drop everything and learn about this new technology. That's a lot to ask of people right now. Which again brings us back to the charter itself being quite simple and straightforward. Yes, which I think is valuable and useful. I also think that there are people in government who need a much better understanding of this. And that would probably be where I would want to place the focus is on people in government who are involved in procurement, people in government who are involved in making decisions about how we're going to use these algorithms. They have an obligation to be incredibly informed and to do what they can to do outreach on the people who are actually going to be impacted by these algorithms. How many of those people in government who are are there at the moment who, who are deeply informed? I have no idea, and I don't know that anyone has an idea. The fact is is that this is something that's happening across all of government. It's something that's happening at the municipal level. It's something that's happening um, within the national government. I don't know that anyone's done a really close look at how many people are actually involved in this right now. Yet clearly it seems like there's someone taking it seriously. There's been a number of these exercises this year And there's a sense of outreach to it, isn't there? Yeah, I think that there's a good sense of outreach to it. I think they could probably be doing more, um, but I think probably we could always be doing more. Mm. Um, The Charter also commits public entities to, quote, upon request, offer technical information about algorithms and the data they use, which brings us back to this expertise thing. It implies there needs to be someone there able to do the requesting, doesn't it? It does, and I have some concerns about this one in particular. Um, Being able to, A, understand how to make a request for technical information and then understand that technical information really limits this information a lot. Um, In my sort of first career, I was a librarian, and I spent 20 years doing that. The ability of people to understand their own information needs is actually fairly limited. People have to know what they don't know in order to make good requests for information. I would prefer to see government being more proactive about this and providing that information to the people who are going to be impacted at the front end. It also suggests there's a role for some sort of civil society piece here as well. The government can do can, you know, can do and say these things, but it's not going to work unless there are citizens prepared to make it work. Exactly. I think that just like any other sort of area of social justice, this is an area that really does require strong engagement from civil society um, and funded um, resource civil society groups going out into communities, going out into groups like churches and markets and explaining to people what these algorithms are, how they work. Uh, and how people can get involved in making decisions about whether or not they want this to be something that impacts their life. It's interesting, and I chipped in on this in the Data Charter um, discussion on Twitter, the idea of understanding how a given algorithm works is quite complex because out there in the commercial world right now, there are algorithms in being used in production that no one quite understands how they work, but they seem to give optimum results. So that's one thing when it's happening in a commercial context. When the government is making those kinds of decisions, it seems to me to be a much bigger problem. Um, I've been sick this week, and I was watching Star Trek Voyager, and there was an episode where the doctor, who is a hologram, gets stolen, and when he wakes up, he's in a hospital on a planet, and there, who got medical treatment was completely controlled by an algorithm, by a computer. So he wasn't able to get medicine for the patients who needed medicine because the algorithm had decided that he he couldn't have it because those patients weren't valuable enough. 
These are the kinds of sort of horror stories that we don't want to see. Uh, and in order both to allow algorithms to be more widely accepted and in order to ensure that we're using them appropriately, we have to be able to sort of counter those narratives or identify those problems when they're arising. That's really dystopian, isn't it? it, it it's the ultimate computer says no. Exactly. And what we don't want are is that kind of algorithm being implemented here where power is taken away from people. Um, power should always rest with actual human beings. Do you think the way that ACC has approached it is, is a model? Because they have a huge amount of data to draw on and their, um, their decision system for, you know, for claims uh, is actually an AI, but any claim refusal must be dealt with by a human. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think that um, as long as the AI can't say no, as long as it can sort of separate out easy cases, it's probably good. And I will say that it seems to me that the AI being used by ACC comes closer to what stats would describe as a business rule. Um, and what business rules are essentially very simple algorithms that sort of do A, B, C, um, and then you sort of get shunted in a direction as opposed to the more complex algorithms where you can't always understand why they made the decision that they made. Now, as I noted, there has been quite a bit of discussion since the draft charter was published, um, particularly in, the, in that Twitter exercise that Internet NZ ran. What came out of that for you? Um, I think a lot of what came out of it for me is that there are a lot of different groups involved in AI right now. So there are corporate groups and sort of people who work with corporations on the commercial side of this. There are people in the public sector who are working with this. What I didn't see a lot of engagement from were actual community groups. Um, I don't think that right now there's been as strong enough um, sort of support for community groups to come in and help people to understand how this is working. Is that part of what the, the new role of your organization is? Because yeah, Creative Commons, everyone, knows, yeah, it's, it's about freeing up, you know, freeing up content. And yet you seem to be doing something more than that now with Toha Toha. Yeah, I mean, we've sort of bridged over from working on copyright licensing, which we still do and which is still very important, to really broadening that out to sort of issues of digital justice and equity um, and looking at the way in which digital issues impact power in society and what we can do to ensure that communities are empowered to help make these decisions and to understand what's actually being done by government as well as by corporations. I think we've all had a year where we understand the real risks um, that the digital world has brought us. And now is a good time to start organizing both to educate um, and also to sort of build a much more vibrant, flourishing digital world than I think the one that, that, that we've allowed to develop. We're nearing the end of a year where um, statistics and, and the wider government has made these quite good steps that we've just discussed. What would you like to see happen next? I would like to see much more engagement from communities. And I would like to see government going out having events um, not only with people who are experts on AI, but having events that attract the communities that are impacted um, by these new systems and allowing them to provide feedback, educating those communities, inviting them to provide feedback, and helping to make what are really political decisions um, about how we're going to use data, how we're going to gather data, and who we're going to allow to make decisions around resource allocation, um, around who does and doesn't get selected for government attention, um, and also with the policing and justice issues. 
So you, can't, you kind of need gifted communicators within those communities, don't you? I think you do need gifted com communicators within those communities, and I think those people already exist. Um, and now is a really good time to start doing outreach into those communities. Do you have any other thoughts about AI data? I do. One part of this conversation that I'm concerned has been left aside is the impact on climate. Artificial intelligence is incredibly consumptive of carbon resources, and the amount of data that we're generating and then storing is currently greater than the amount of alternative energy coming online. Part of this conversation has to be how we put climate first in these conversations and how we make sure that we don't build a system that locks us into high carbon um, lifestyles in ways that are really bad for our planet and for our communities. Wow. Um, after giving us all a lot to think about, you gave us this whole other big thing to think about. Hey, thank you, Mandy. That was really good. Cheers. Thank you. You can find out more about the work going on around government use of data and algorithms at data.govt.nz and at the hashtag datacharter on Twitter. This is the last episode of Actually Interesting for 2019, so thanks to all of our guests this year, to Tina Tiller for always being on the case on production, and to Microsoft and the spin-off for making it happen. And of course, to you for stopping by. If you like this podcast, you might also dig my other one, The Internet of Awesome Things, which is all about the Internet of Things with the help of Spark. Just Google Internet of Awesome Things and an algorithm will be right along to show you the way. I hope we've been able to shed some light on the fascinating field of AI and give you a few things to think about. I'm Russell Brown and I hereby give you permission to stop fretting about this stuff for a few precious summer weeks. As they say in sport, just play what's in front of you. Hey, Connor. Talo for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at the Spinoff. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spinoff member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. Kia ora e te iwi, te ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.